Well, hey, I want to welcome those of you that are here live in the room and those of you that are watching online. Lisa and I are on vacation this week, and it is my distinct honor and privilege to be able to introduce today's guest speaker to you. Her name is Diane Hakes. I, I met her many years ago. Diane is a phenomenal woman of God. She's been on staff at multiple churches throughout the years, but I got to know her through our Church Multiplication Commission, which both she and Nate, myself, we serve on. Just a brilliant mind, a strategic thinker. And today, she actually owns what's called Clear Call Coaching, something that she founded a couple years ago as God just sort of changed her mind and her heart of what it is that he was calling her to do. And so what Clear Call does is it helps people like you and I to discover who it is that God has called you to be and what it is that God wants you to do. So those of you here in the room and those of you online, let's give Diane just a warm exponential welcome at this time. Welcome, Diane. Well, good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Gilbert, for that introduction. That was unexpected. <laughs> so I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be here. It really is a, an honor and a privilege, but more, even more so to just share with you um, what God has been doing in our lives. My husband Todd's here with me today, and this actually is a, is a vision of ours to um, go around to churches and speak. We didn't know how it would happen or when, and um, here I am. So uh, I appreciate you being here and those of you who are listening online. Um, welcome this morning. Uh, if you're following along, uh, either in the room or online, your talking notes, as, um, as mentioned earlier, are in the upper right-hand uh, portion of your uh, screen, if you're watching, and uh, in your talk notes. So uh, I'm excited to share with you today some things that God has laid on my heart. Um, but I want to ask you a couple questions to start with, to, to get your mind thinking. Did you ever feel like you were supposed to be doing something other than what you already are doing? Or you're supposed to be somewhere than where you already are? Do you ever have that kind of strange, achy feeling like, uh, something's supposed to be coming. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know what that looks like, but I have this strange sensation in my spirit that something's about to change. That happened to me, that happened to us um, on a number of occasions during our married life, uh, but in more recent years. Um, and so my dangerous prayer is show me, Lord. Show me. Show me your next steps. Show me your plans for me. Show me what you have for me. That's a dangerous prayer, right? Sometimes you ask for something that you weren't really ready for. Do you ever have that happen? You ask a question or you ask for something if you're a young person, you're not really ready for the answer. One story I recalled as I was thinking about this kind of makes me laugh now. But I have an older sister. She's eight years older. And I was learning to drive in New Jersey. So that's where I'm from, in the suburbs of New Jersey. Not an easy place to learn how to drive, let me remind you. So my sister said that she would teach me how to drive. Well, let me back up. My father tried to teach me how to drive. That didn't go so well. I'd come storming into the room, into the house, slam the door, I'm bawling, my dad's mad, my mom would be like, what happened? And so um, that didn't go so well. So I asked my sister if she would teach me how to drive. 
Mind you, my sister's eight years older, and she's much more street savvy than me, much more. Driving in the streets of New York City was nothing for her, okay? She had an, a VW Bug, a gorgeous convertible, white-on-white -white VW Bug stick shift that she said, sure, I'll teach you how to drive. Okay, do you think I was ready for that? No, no, and she was tough. So she took me out to the middle of, of the streets and said, uh, you're gonna parallel park. I'm like, now, here, you know, in this place with like moving cars and parked cars between two real cars? And she, yep, we're doing it right now. And so um, that was a big ask for me because I really wasn't ready for the answer. And just side note, I still don't par parallel park real well. So <laughs> just something I never really learned to do. But I want you to understand that with that dangerous prayer of show me or with that ask that you're not ready for, um, it really is dangerous in the sense of understanding that I need to pray with confidence, right? And know that there will be an answer. It may not be the answer that I'm looking for it may not be uh, what I'm ready for. But my first step is to know the pathway forward in walking with the Lord is to pray with confidence and ask. Okay? So if you're following along, that's point number one. So showing was what I was asking, right? And the scripture that I like to uh, point to, if you're following along in your, in your Bible, is from Psalm 1611. And this has become one of these verses that's really um, repeating in my, in my time over the years. It just keeps coming back to me. And so when that happens, I take note of that, and I mark it down in my journal, and I keep going back to it because God's trying to show me that that there's something there. So the scripture goes like this, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. For today's purpose, really focusing on that first part, you make known to me the path of life. If you ask, he'll make it known, right? And so I hung on to those words. And so today I want to share with you a formula that just came to be something simple for me to follow. And I didn't really mean for it to be an acronym, but it sort of came out that, out that way when I was uh, putting together this message. The formula is ASK, A-S-K. Real simple, A, ask, S, seek, K, knock. And we're going to go through each one of those steps. But very simple. Just ask. Okay? So when we ask, we need to expect answers. We also need to expect to take action. Right? At some point, we have to do something with what he has given us. We have to know his will follow his will, and do something with it when it is made known to us, right? You make known to me the path of life. 
So we see it. Are we going to walk down it? What's before us? So the second step that um, in this prayer process of show me, Lord, was to stay focused. This was really hard for me in the season of life where this was all kind of happening and coming about. To stay focused, I had to actually fight for focus. I had to fight for it. And I think in this world, you and I have to fight every day to stay focused on Jesus. It's not an easy thing, right? And so one of the things that kind of made, was one of the pathways made clear to me was in order to focus, I had to make a space. I had to, to have a place to meet with Jesus. And I always did, but in this season of searching and having the Lord show me, it was a, a new place. It had to be something different. And it had to be sort of enclosed rather than open. I don't know why, except to say that it would help me to focus because I was really struggling with that in a lot of ways. And so I made myself a prayer closet. My daughter had moved out of the house. She was married. I had this closet full of stuff. I tossed all that stuff, found a new home, a new home for it, and there I sat. Empty walls. And if you notice, I like sticky notes. They're everywhere, okay? So I had my sticky notes, a pen, my journal, my Bible, and I'd just go in that closet, and I'd pray. I'd meet with Jesus there, and I'd put notes on the wall of scripture, of things that happened, of whatever the Spirit was showing me. Remember, make known the path of life. As he was making it known, I was recording it and putting it all over the walls in that room for a period of time. I read recently that hiddenness is a pathway to kingdom impact. I never thought about that before. That that really was, I didn't tell many people about this closet, probably not anyone. Um, hiddenness, not, not having it out in public, right? This was just my time with Jesus. And the kingdom impact would come as a result of that faithfulness in that time, spending it with him. And so point number two, I need to fight for my focus to be on Jesus first. And that was part of my fight. I was also fighting with some visual issues at that time. And I learned through vision therapy the difference between divergent and convergent vision. One is outward and being able to see the peripheral because I couldn't see the peripheral vision during that time. So I had to learn to see wide, but then I had to learn to also focus and see like inward, tight. So I believe in that prayer closet, it was focus, zeroing in, just me and Jesus, right? So that he could show me the way forward. So I need to fight for my focus to be on Jesus first. So when he says move, though, it's time to move. I couldn't stay there. Not much was going to happen if I didn't get out of that closet in life, <laughs> really. You know, you had to move at some point. But I also wrote the move in my journal. Um, at that time, I was creating a visual journal and not much words, but more pictures. But this was a word picture. 
and the word was move, and it was all colored in the salvation colors. Remember the salvation bracelets? And so I was a children's director during that time, and so those colors were very clear in my mind. But why on the word move, and why the salvation colors? I didn't know, really. I just took note of it. The Spirit showed me what to, what to put down in that journal, and I did it. But now I know what it meant. Now it's clear, right, that I was to move forward. Even if I didn't know the full pathway, just one step at a time. Follow me this way, one step. That's all he was asking of me. And so I did that, one step at a time. And so when he says move, we need to move. Just where he shows us to move, right? Stay faithful, stay focused, and move when he says to move. That's not real hard on paper. <laughs> Pretty easy on paper. But it takes a lot of faith in reality. Faith to let go. Faith to trust God for provision. Faith to know that it is the right way to go, even when many others are saying, really? You're really, you're really going to do that? You're really going to go that way and do that thing? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it took us a while, Todd and I, to get on the, to have this in sync, both of us really feeling and understanding the move of the Spirit at the same time. And so that was a process. But it was a good process. And when we were both in alignment and in sync, we knew. God was clear it was time to go. And we weren't sure the whole thing and what exactly was happening, but we did know for sure it was time to go and to move on to what was next for us. Gilbert explained a little bit about what was next, and I'll share with that, that with you in a few minutes, but just know letting go was hard, really hard. So it really helped me then to have some weapons. And when I say weapons, because I was talking about fighting in our second point, you have to have weapons to fight, spiritual weapons. I learned that my mother's maiden name, not that I didn't know it, I did know it. The name is Smith, but I learned that Smith actually means forger of weapons, weapons of peace not destruction. Huh. My mother's maiden name meant something to my calling and to my process, that we're to forge weapons of peace, right? And the weapons of peace and the weapon I needed to use to fight with was his word, right? His word is sharper than a double-edged sword, which is a weapon, a real powerful weapon, I, I might add, right? And so his word was my weapon. Remember, I had it all over my wall. I had it in my journal. I had it everywhere. I was focused on his word and his way. I also had a fortress. Literally, at that time, my fortress was the prayer closet. My fortress was my home because he had me there for a season, for a reason. 
that in that place, he was building my character to match the calling. I didn't understand that really when it was happening. You often don't understand when you're in the midst of it. You know, now I can look back and have some clarity on it, but he really was building my character to match the calling that was coming, that he was preparing me for. And so the fortress was the place in which he had me, my home, the prayer closet, the focus on Jesus, even the vision therapy. As much as I hated it, it was, it was super helpful. And those people were amazing in so many ways to get me where I needed to be. And I didn't really believe in some ways, not that I didn't believe, I didn't know the full gamut of where the Lord was leading me. But I didn't need to know. I only needed to know the step in front of me. And that was one of the steps. Another verse that really was um, powerful and still is to this day to me, but especially in that time, is Jeremiah 29, 13. In verse 13 of Jeremiah 29, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right? You will seek me. Look, a friend of mine has a great saying that I like to repeat. Look for it, don't work for it. We don't have to strive. We don't have to make it happen. But we do have to look. We have to be aware. Eyes wide open. Another picture in my journal I didn't understand were a set of eyes just kind of floating on the page. I don't know where they came from or why, but now I do. Eyes wide open. Seek me you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Like me first, Jesus is saying. Are you willing to put me first above everything else, above everyone else? And I will show you. And he was faithful. And so ask was the first thing, right? You have to ask for it. The second thing is seek, look for it, don't work for it, right? Make room in your mind in your heart, and in your life. What I love is that when you make room for Jesus, space, he gives you a place, right? God revealed to me that the people and the places were about to happen of where I was to live out my calling, little by little. So point number three is when I give Jesus space in my heart, he gives me a place. He was faithful to give me a place in the prayer closet, but like I said, that was for a season, and I needed to move from that place to where he was calling me. And one of the first places that he called me was to a local school. One, I was going through a, a recovery of a concussion, so I couldn't drive very far. When the school was close enough, I could drive there. And there was a high school class where kids were in danger of not graduating. If you know me, I have a background in education, children's ministry. Like, this broke my heart. The thought of lost potential broke my heart. So I called a friend of mine and I said, who was the teacher in that classroom. I said, can I come and um, come to the school and just spend a time with the kids? 
you know, just one class period. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Hey, anybody want to go to a school and volunteer? They're, they need you. They want you. You might have to go through some hoops to make it all good. Um, but that was my, my comfort zone was a classroom. And so I went to that classroom one day a week, 40 minutes to work with those kids to help them get to a place, one, where they would believe in themselves, and two, see what God was seeing for them. Even though I couldn't talk about it, I could show them. He had a future for them. And they were to get there if they just would follow the right pathway forward. And so I did that for the rest of the school year. So that was one of the places that God revealed to me where I was to live out this calling. One of the um, key scriptures that was uh, in my prayer closet on the wall is Isaiah 61. Today, we'll just read a little bit of Isaiah 61, but this is another significant piece of scripture that God showed me where and when and who to my calling. And at first, I didn't quite understand it. I just had to believe it. I just had to trust God's word. Remember, that was the weapon, right? He was showing me how to fight for what he had for me. And so it goes like this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that will have been devastated for generations. Much of that scripture has been significant and began to become clear of what that meant. Literally, I found a card in my journal with Isaiah 61 verse 4 in it, the rebuild, uh, um, renew, restore piece of, of the ancient cities. And I was like, what does this mean? A month later, a month later, we got news that our uh, daughter's brother-in-law was killed in a tragic accident a work-related accident, which left a 29-year-old wife and a two-year-old baby behind. And this was the first year of our daughter's marriage to that woman's brother. They were all friends. This was devastating. And so before we knew it, Todd and I found ourselves in the, in the throes of, of the grief of this family that was grief like I had never seen before. I've been a part of a church for many years and on staff for 17 years. We've seen a lot of grief. We've seen a lot of funerals and families going through horrific things. This was by far, probably because we were so close to it, but by far 
so devastating. Where did we find ourselves for the next, I don't know how many days specifically, but then since then, walking along with this family in the midst of their grief, right? In the midst of mourning, in the midst of helping them through the rebuilding of their lives. And so, and since then, it's so strange to say, God has put so many widows in my path. I don't know why, right? Why is that? Because I think on the other side of tragedy, on the other side of loss that is so, you know, unexplainable, we lose a sense of self and a sense of our purpose. And so we're not sure which way to go next. And so through my experience of not, not that type of grief, but some loss and being kind of shaken up in my life, I learned a pathway forward and to find my identity in Christ Jesus and to know who, whose I am, right? And so God will do in you first what he needs to do through you, and that's what was happening, I believe. And many things in that part of scripture were starting to come about for, for me and for us. Todd had spent 14 years in construction. He knows how to rebuild and restore like nobody's business. But now he's calling us to a new type of restoring and rebuilding. The rebuilding of lives, the restoration of lives, the renewing of calling and who we are in Christ Jesus, our purpose. And so I want to point to you that in that acronym ASK, there's the K, which is to knock. Ask, seek, knock, right? The third thing that I did was that I knocked on the door and I waited for God to open it. And so some of the things that I described to you were open doors. The school was an open door. Being welcomed into the home and the family uh, when they're going through grief, that's not always what happens. Sometimes the, the door gets closed there and you don't feel like you're welcomed in. Well, we were welcomed. We were needed. They leaned on us. Even the pastor leaned on me to help with that service because he was so broken himself. And so ask, seek, knock. So Gilbert explained to you a couple years ago that um, we've been in uh, a part of this journey, Nate, as well. But Gilbert and I, specifically with another group of pastors, were traveling around the country going to different places to learn about discipleship. And we were just learning from these uh, people who uh, were trying different things. And one of the places that we found ourselves, which was familiar to Gilbert but not to, to us, was Saddleback. Um, we went to Saddleback Ranch, Rick Warren's uh, retreat center. Oh, my word, what an amazing place. But what really struck me in that experience there was that they sent us off to the property, to walk the property and to seek God and to write or reflect, meditate on what, what the Spirit was telling us. And so I walked up on this hillside, and up on the hillside was this building. I'm not even sure what the building was for, but it had these amazing doors, 
like the doors were just drawing my attention in. And so I started taking pictures of these doors. And one had the, the door just slightly ajar. These were old doors with the vines all, you know, growing on top of them, but really colorful, colorful, like in California, we were in Orange County. Of course it was colorful. It was beautiful. But these doors kept like gnawing at me. Even to this day, I think about these doors and I'm attracted to taking pictures of doors and pathways. Why? Well, of course, you know, it's just this thing that God has placed in me, this desire. But it reminded me that, you know, when we're surrendered to him, you'll have eyes to see. He'll give you a new set of lenses, something different to see through. New eyes to see, a new heart to feel, things you didn't feel before maybe. Or maybe we'll you'll feel differently in this season. And hands to show his love, wherever that leads. But when you ask and you seek and you knock, you have to be willing to go through the open door. You have to be willing to step into what God has for you. Whether it's something really exciting and fun, or something not so fun and really scary, right? You just have to be willing to trust him, right? So point number four, I need to ask, seek, knock, and go through the open doors. So the final thing I had to do, though, was to let go and let God. I really did. I had to let go and let God um, understand you don't want to try to take control he has control. That's his job. We're just to trust. And we're to understand our why, why we're doing what we're doing, what we're doing, that it's his, his thing that he's put before us. That open door is the where we're supposed to be doing it, right? The how is up to him. And the guys um, who know me know I have a new saying in this season is don't get stuck in the how hole. Seriously, don't get stuck in the how hole, right? That means if you try to figure out how, it's like being stuck in this swirling thing that you can't get out of. You can't get out of it because it's not for you. It's for God. That's his job. We're to follow in why we're to do what we're doing, in what we're doing, that it's for the cause of Jesus and the spreading of his gospel and his love to the people who are lost, who are grieving, who are um, believing lies that they shouldn't believe, that they need to be set free from those things. And so he has that. Number five, the point I want to make is, I will let my faith be bigger than my fear. If you let go in that God and you give him the how, your faith will grow to be bigger than your fear. Remember I said I had to have my character be built up to match the calling. This is really where it, it meets. It's really increased the faith so I could overcome the fear. Right? And that's a daily task. That doesn't just go away. But as your faith grows, your fear gets less. Let your faith be bigger than your fear. The Father loves you into your future. 
He loved you so much, he's taking you into your future if you'll let him, right? And so the scripture goes like this that helps you to understand is that we are God's handiwork, Ephesians 2.10. We, you and me, are God's handiwork. I see Nate here. He's the potter. He gets this. He's the creator of that clay. He molds it, right? He creates it into something beautiful, from a lump to something beautiful. I can't do that. I tried that once. It doesn't work for me, but he has that gift. And so think of it that way, that your father in heaven have, he already molded you, created you for the things that he has for you to do while you're here on earth. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's already thought out. That's why you don't have to worry about the how. He's got that part, right? That's, that's no problem for him. We just need to follow where he shows us to go. So where are you is a question you ask. Where am I? Where does God have me? Who are the people around me that I'm to influence or have impact on? Seek him. How has he positioned you? Right? That matters. What door has he set before you to walk through? It's right there under our noses most often, but it's easy to miss if we're not looking, right? So I want to um, share this question for you to think about throughout this week. What change in the world would happen as a result of each one of us doing the good works we were created to do. Now, don't be confused. We're not trying to work our way into heaven. That's not what we do. We ask Jesus to come into our life and rule and reign in our hearts. and We surrender to him. That's a different, that's a different process. That's the process that we we end up doing in order to surrender our lives to him, to trust him with everything that we have. And ultimately, we will share our place in heaven with him. But what I'm talking about right now is that he's created us for something here, right now. Often we think salvation's it. It doesn't stop there. Actually, there's a lot more work that happens after you surrendered your life to Jesus. And if you haven't surrendered, I, I ask you to, to do that. Just give your heart to Jesus. Trust him with it. Trust, trust him with your full life. And say, Lord, I trust you. I know I've messed up. Please forgive me. Help me to do better going forward. And help me to share with others the love that you've shown me. The love that you bestowed upon me. And so... Then grab hold of what it is he wants you to do while you're here because each one of us has a plan and a purpose. You have a job to do while you're here. Actually, many jobs. <laughs> but we're all focused on one thing that we are created to do. And when you find it and you know it's the thing, wow, what a difference. 
what a game changer. And that's, that's why Gilbert explained what I do in this season as a coach. It, it just is something that I can't help do is to really help people find their pathway forward and to find the one thing that God created them to do while they're here on earth. Because what change in the world would happen as a result of each one of us living out the very thing that we were meant to do while we're here. I pray that you have that, and I pray if you don't, that you will ask. Ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be shown to you. Thanks for allowing me to share with you today and being here with you. Um, Let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, I just thank you for um, the pathway that you've shown us um, today just in uh, seeking you and knowing that we can safely come to you in asking for um, the way forward, as in my dangerous prayer, show me, Lord, your next steps. Show me the plan you have for me and seek you. Help me to seek you with all my heart and soul. And I pray that today we found a new, a new level of seeking you together. And also to, to just knock on that door, know that it's there and open to us and to have the courage and the strength to have the faith over the fear to walk through the open doors before us, Lord, to walk out this life that you have for us, to have kingdom impact while we're here and to show others the love of Jesus. We love you and we thank you. Amen.